jobs will become bigger and bigger. So we're the largest business network in Canada. LinkedIn's really valuable. It's the largest yellow pages in the world. We describe LeafWire as the LinkedIn of cannabis. You're going to go out and invite your friend. They're going to join and they're going to invite their friend. There's a pandemic answer and a non-pandemic answer. Welcome to Weed Buds Radio. I'm your host, Rye, and in our virtual studio with DJ Matthew Perry. Check one, two. Microphone loud and clear. Thank you for having me here today, Rye. It's an interesting time on the internet as always, you know, our personal lives and our public lives are getting blended together. So I feel more comfortable expressing my cannabis experience online. And today I think we have something interesting to talk about in regards to your professional business life with cannabis. I agree. Not everybody is as open as we are to talking about cannabis online, especially in a professional setting. I think about the individuals that utilize LinkedIn, for example. I love LinkedIn and I am comfortable talking about experiences and education with cannabis. However, I totally understand and empathize with the individuals that don't want to talk about cannabis on LinkedIn. And I started to look for some other mediums that maybe you could do some networking and kind of have that cannabis professionalism and then LinkedIn be more of your personal professional community. And that's when I found LeafWire. And I'm really excited to have Peter Vogel join us. Uh, thanks for having me. Pleasure to be on. I have to tell you, I have joined LeafWire just over two weeks ago, and I have been having an absolute blast. And so I'm excited to talk about some of the things that uh, our audience can really use LeafWire to maximize. But I figured we would start with, have you always been a cannabis entrepreneur or was this a new development for you? Uh, this was definitely new for me a little over three years ago. Uh, I have been uh, a kind of a more of a tech entrepreneur in the marketing and advertising space for, uh, oh, not to date myself, but uh, more than more than 20 years. Um, and uh, the, the way I actually got into cannabis was through another cannabis uh, CEO uh, of a company called Simplifya. His name is Marion Marathison. And they very successful compliance company. I think they're probably the leading compliance company in Canvas right now. Uh, they actually just uh, closed a raise of about two million bucks, which right now that's pretty amazing because uh, it's really hard for people to raise money right now. Uh, he, uh, Marion, was the CEO in another company in the same industry I was in. Uh, you know, ten years ago, he joined Cannabis before I did, probably about four or five years ago. And we, we were just having lunch one day and he told me about this idea that him and a couple other investors had for LeafWire uh, and basically said, we're all running our own companies. We really think this is a great idea, but we need someone to do this. You know, can you come into the space? And I, you know, I looked at what I was doing and I, I said to my wife, you know, where do I want to be in five years? Do I want to be a successful, accomplished, you know, connected person in cannabis or stuck in the same old career I am now? And obviously made this decision and haven't looked back since. 
That's fantastic. And so for those listening at home right now, can you tell us a little bit about what LeafWire is and why we should be so interested? Uh, of course, happy to, as always. I talk about LeafWire all day. So, uh, so we, we describe LeafWire as the LinkedIn of cannabis. So we're the largest business network in cannabis. So we, we're very careful to focus on being the LinkedIn and not the Facebook of cannabis. You know, we don't want to be just a site that's like Weed Maps or Leafly or where consumers are reading about weed or posting pictures of buds. And we want to be a place where people who are doing business in cannabis, and that ranges from growers to bud tenders to CBD manufacturers to lawyers to investors. So anyone who works in the business of cannabis, we wanted to create a platform where they can safely uh, you know, communicate in a very focused way. So everything's about cannabis. All the news is cannabis. All the events are cannabis. All the business, everything people talk about, it's all cannabis and hemp. And that's one of the things you, it's hard to do on LinkedIn just because LinkedIn has 660 million people now. And most of us were in other industries before this. So we all have tons of connections. So a lot of the stuff you're gonna see is not cannabis. Uh, and there's still a lot of people who don't necessarily want to put the word cannabis or marijuana on their LinkedIn profile because their their family may live in a state where it's not legal or look down on it, or they don't know if this is the last industry they want to be in. What if they want to go to a Fortune 500, more traditional conservative finance company? They, they, they don't want to be branded as like the cannabis guy because there's still stigma. So we provide that safe place to focus 100% on the business that these people, as you know, and, and you are very passionate about. Absolutely. And so bringing that back to you personally, what did your family say when you made the switch? Uh, they were pretty supportive. I mean, they, they're not necessarily, I wouldn't describe them as pro cannabis. I don't, uh, I, I would guess if either of them have even tried it, they barely tried it. Um, I mean, I, I grew up in Northeast Ohio, which was a, you know, uh, Midwest, you know, uh, snow belt area, pretty, I, w I wouldn't say conservative necessarily, but it's, uh, it's not like growing up in California. Uh, so, um, I did not have much exposure to the industry. I, I moved out to Colorado a while, a while ago. So I've lived in Colorado, uh, for almost the last 12, 13 years now. Uh, so I've been here for most of, uh, well, si since rec at least the whole time. Um, so I've, I've slowly kind of learned about the industry over the last couple of years, even b before I joined, just, you know, I had some friends that started working in it. I was reading news about it. I was, you know, going into dispensaries. I was, you know, just hearing about it a lot. You know, I mean, it was pretty big in, in Colorado. You guys have really kind of led the way and provided some framework for the rest of us. Right. Funny that uh, I, I lived in Columbus for oh. just over a year. And so I was there when they were adopting the medical program. Really? And that was where I first became a patient. I was one of the first patients in Ohio. And so really got to see how they adopted the program. Mm -hmm. But now here we are, you know, two, you know, going into three years into the program. And it's vastly different than it was when it first started with positive changes. Right. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's hugely different now. Uh, I mean, I think one of the things we saw in Colorado, and this is what all states do, they, they start out with like extremely strict framework and laws that don't allow social consumption, and they don't allow delivery, they don't allow 
investors. I mean, Colorado had a law where you couldn't have more than an investor from outside Colorado own more than a certain percent of of your business. Uh, you know, there were lots of rules and regulations around you know every aspect of the industry. Um, and I think that's one of the things Colorado has done is slowly kind of gone in the right direction in terms of loosening up some things. We, we still don't have delivery here, um, but they have, have been allowing curbside pickup, you know, obviously during the pandemic, which I think pretty much everywhere is. Uh, but Colorado has been, you know, one of the first, we, we decriminalized psilocybin um, and they've been doing a little more research on uh, psychedelics here. And uh, they passed some social consumption laws that now finally you can, uh, there are some locations that they haven't really like boomed yet. Uh, and they've now, now allowing investors from outside states. So like there's been that progression where, you know, you kind of realize like, okay, the state didn't catch on fire. So I guess we're allowed to loosen up a bit. And then it's been huge. I mean, I think we've gotten more than like a billion dollars in tax revenue uh, for this, for schools, um, public infrastructure, uh, you know, a bunch of other areas. So you brought up psilocybin, and that is something that I personally haven't experienced or even had much experience in. And I was kind of wondering, and since you brought it up, has the cannabis industry just kind of adopted that as its own? Because I kind of thought that maybe it would take on its own iteration, its own market. But then I keep finding that the cannabis industry kind of holds a little claim to it. I think... Yeah, I mean, I think just because the, the cannabis industry was so used to banding together and fighting to, to pass laws. And I mean, it's this whole progression where you fight together to pass a law. Then you kind of all have to work together to understand how to even how the regulations even work. And then you have to start running businesses. And then you like all businesses in some way partner with other people or hold events or do co-promotions. And so I think the industry is so used to being co a cohesive, very collaborative place that bringing in, you know, one more controlled substance like that is, is a very natural thing. I mean, the same places that sell cannabis would be selling other psychedelics or, I mean, other controlled substances as things come come out. Uh, I mean, I think they're going to be regulated the same. Um, they're going to be sold the same. They're going to be marketed by the same companies. Uh, I, I think we will see, though, it'll be interesting to see just like in cannabis, we now have some brands like Wana and Kiva and Chiba Chews and, you know, some of the others that are uh, like known, if, if not nationwide, at least multi-statewide. I think we're, we're going to see the first, and I think that's a really big investment opportunity, some of the first psychedelic brands that come out and get to be well-known. I mean, they could very easily get like a super strong foothold because they're, they're going to be the first, right? If they, if they do it right and they do it widely among multiple states. That makes perfect sense. And when I look at the industry, we talked to, you know, we're leaning towards talking about networking and how businesses are working together to collaborate to one, build this industry, but maybe potentially build some others as well. And for me personally, I was very late in the discovery and exploration of cannabis. And so I was one of those individuals that was very nervous about associating their personal brand with it. It took a long right. time for me to post on Facebook and to post on LinkedIn. And, and I've 
kind of overcome some of that as the natural you know, consequence of being in the media side of the industry. Uh, but what I found was that in terms of kind of collaboration and networking, that events really seemed to be the place that people got to know each other, they got to build dialogue. So how do you recommend individuals to stay connected? You know, if we meet at one of these conferences and MJ BizCon being, you know, probably notably the largest, uh, how do we stay connected with individuals when there are so many of us that may not utilize LinkedIn? Right. Uh, so I think there's a couple answers to that. There's a pandemic answer and a non-pandemic answer. Um, during the during the pandemic, I mean, obviously you can't even go to those events. Uh, so I have found it pretty valuable to be part of. I've moderated several webinars. Uh, I was Leafwire participated in our first virtual uh, conference uh, over the last couple of days. I don't know if you saw MJ Unpacked. It, it was pretty interesting, and so far, uh, like I, I've had our, our sales guy has been kind of like manning our booth, uh, and it is it's different than a webinar in that. So, so when you go in, you literally go into the conference, and it's almost like you can see the front of a conference hall, and you can pick to go to the the, the seminars and actually listen to stuff, or you can pick to go to the exhibit exhibit hall, and it shows little logos for each person's table, and then you click on the brand, and it actually brings up an entire table with a design and couches and logos and products and each each person has their own little character and it can be you or you can pick uh, i think my sales guy is like kind of like a a guy in overalls and a beard uh, not sure why he picked that but that, that's what he's using uh but he's he's been having a ton of people come up and just start talking to him in the booth and so see you that you there's a chat function so you basically click on a booth and then you can see who's in it uh, and then just start chatting with them uh, and it's totally different in my mind than a, the, the webinar is just, you just sit and watch. And I don't know about you, but when I go to conferences, like I don't go into those the sessions and just watch. Like pretty much I'm either meeting with people, I'm walking the exhibit floor, or I'm trying to connect with people somehow. Uh, so for me, the, the webinars are fine, but it, it, you don't walk away with the leads. You don't walk away with new contacts. So I think, uh, Staying involved, like during the not during the pandemic, staying involved with things like webinars, which you can still learn from. You can still uh, meet the people who are you know actually participating in the webinar. It's a good excuse to follow up with them afterwards and say, "Hey, I really liked your comment on so and so." It's kind of like at a conference, you can go to the stage and meet them at the end. You know, I, I call that stage diving when you kind of go and you they have to talk to you because they just spoke on stage. Uh, I think it's the same thing with the online webinar. So you could take advantage of that. I think the virtual ones are really interesting. And of course, I mean, of course, I'm going to say you should join LeafWire as well. I mean, that's that's kind of this softball you gave me uh, that, you know, anytime you can't, uh, anytime between seeing people in person, you can be connected, exchange messages, reshare news with each other. Um, and I use, you know, I, I always tell people I use LinkedIn and I use LeafWire. Uh, if I'm trying to find contacts that aren't in cannabis, you know, LinkedIn is really valuable. It's the largest yellow pages in the world to look people up. Um, if I am trying to just promote cannabis news or cannabis events, I do that on LeafWire. So uh, I, I encourage people to network, you know, on, on both platforms. And, you know, if you if you like it, you know, people that use Twitter and Instagram, I mean, LeafWire does all of those things. So we try and stay connected in as many ways as possible. Um, and in the non-pandemic, I would say 
it's the same thing. It's just you're also going to conferences. But the, the the whole you should always be, I think, following up beforehand and afterwards with those online connections. You know, whether it's on, on LeafWire, uh, whether it's just connecting via email, just kind of staying in constant communication. And I think you and I are probably similar because I do the same thing. If I'm listening to a really captivating speaker. I'm the first one at the stage, you know, yeah. when, when they're getting ready to walk off. Because, I mean, the conference, MJ BizCon last year, I mean, tens of thousands of people were there. And right. it's so frantic. And what I found was, you know, I really needed to look at that agenda before I showed up. And right really kind of build out what the curriculum was for myself. And then I got sidetracked because you hit that showroom floor and you're just meeting fascinating people from really all over the world. Right. Totally. It's, it's overwhelming. The, I remember in Vegas walking into the exhibit hall, uh, I think there were 1,200 booths at that one. And just looking around and one, almost not believing there are that many cannabis companies like they could even be here because... It's so overwhelming. And to walk, I, I, I set almost all my meetings at events like those outside the exhibit hall on purpose because it's a mess trying to get through the exhibit hall. But it, the, the one or two I did in the exhibit hall, to walk from one side to the other is almost a mile. It took me like 15 minutes just to walk from one side to the other, not even talk to a single soul. So, it, yeah, you have to identify in advance who, who are your targets and either connect with them beforehand, which is ideal, because then you could set up a meeting, or do your best to connect with them, you know, right after they speak. Uh, it's it's going to be less likely you'll find them at like, you know, a happy hour or something like that, because there's so many people and the, you know, the most uh, notable people or most experienced people are, are typically going to be at more like private events that you, you may or may not be invited to. So you kind of have to rely on you know, catching them when they're available, which is, you know, right after they're speaking. Absolutely. No, you're right. It's, it is the most convenient time. I, there was a handful of speakers that uh, I did that stage dive towards and got you know, the contact information. This is the value that I hope that I can bring for you. And this is some of the yep. value that I'm looking for as well. And to your point, you immediately follow up because there's, you know, you're invited to five different organizations or after parties and, you know, you try to make them all, but then you feel like you're cutting somebody short. Right. And so for me, the digital networking is, is so powerful. And I wanted to tell you, so I joined LeafWire just over two weeks ago. And I, I think I had mentioned to you when we, when we first spoke, I try to test different things and then really kind of double down on what's working. And there's a lot of really good platforms out there. But one thing that really differentiated LeafWire from some of the others was the level of engagement and the amount of active users. And in you know just over two weeks, I believe I've connected with about 1,500 individuals so far. Wow. And, uh, yeah, it's been really powerful. And from that, we've had over 40 conversations already, real dialogue with individuals. And there are some messages I haven't been able to get back to yet uh, that I certainly will. But what I really enjoyed about it was 
one, the capacity of dialogue. It was, you know, this is what I'm working on. What are you working on? And where does that synergy come in? And I just, I got really excited. And so I knew that one, I needed to meet you selfishly. And then two, the audience did. Because this is, you know, if if I'm going to give the the weed bud stamp of approval, this is one of those sites that I think you have to be on if you're in this industry. Uh, Met... I had somebody on on the podcast earlier from South Africa through wow. Leafwire have met uh, a few individuals from Germany, which we know is going to be a huge market right. for the industry in the future. Uh, met another podcaster from the UK. And so it was really great to just meet like-minded individuals and the level of passion. I mean, I think right. that's something that comes with this industry. But again, there's a there's a number of platforms out there. And why I really wanted to get you on is because I want to kind of differentiate. It's so hard. You know, you create a, a profile on all of these other networks, and then you have one or two connections. You try to make one or two connections, and then maybe it's not even an active user. And so for me, when you're looking for kind of business and efficiency, you're going to double down on, on what's working. And so I wanted to provide that feedback to you. <clears throat> also, just thank you. You know, it's a, it's been a really powerful platform, and I've made some great friends so far. That's awesome. You know, we, we, we love to hear that. And that's our goal, like or to provide a platform where people feel like they can connect, they can do the, the, the business that you need to do is to connect with these people for your podcast or, you know, other other business reasons. And uh, I'm, I'm happy to hear that, that this is allowing you to do that because that that's what we you know strive for every day is to make that platform, you know, to, to be effective for people. So that being said, what is what is the future hold in store for LeafWire <clears throat> and for yourself? Yeah. So a lot of what we're working towards has a lot to do with jobs because we really feel that jobs and cannabis, you know, is going to be one of the fastest growing industries, you know, for the next five years or so. You know, if you think about every time a state goes legal, all of a sudden you have hundreds of new companies uh, and all of a sudden you have tens of thousands of people who see dollar signs because they think, oh, crap, I should be in cannabis right now. So we, we want to position LeafWire in a way where we're right in the center of, you know, one of the biggest industries, one of the fastest growing job markets, and be able to provide both. It's, it's kind of a two-pronged approach. And we're starting to do this, but we just need to build everything out a lot more. One, the self-service job board, where people just go on and search yourself. Uh, companies can just pay, you know, a monthly fee and post jobs. But we're also, uh, we, we just partnered with a company called Flower Hire, uh, and they're going to be our recruiting partner. And um, we're basically asking every company right now, are, are you looking to hire? And if, if they are and they fit the right categories, we're turning them over to Flower Hire, and then they can help them do an exhaustive search. And Flower Hire has placed over 300 people in their dream jobs over the last uh, three or four years. Um, and it's had great success. So we think the combination of kind of the self-service job model and the recruiting, which is very much a hand-holding, it's going to be, you know, a lot of where LeafWire's revenue comes from. Uh, and just looking at LinkedIn, LinkedIn, for example, they make 65% of their revenue from jobs. Um, and we think we're going to kind of follow that model and jobs will become bigger and bigger. We'll, we'll, we'll make a better and better kind of matching engine. We'll do better and better recommendations. Uh, we'll just have a much wider swath of jobs industry-wide. Uh, right now, we have up there about 1,500 jobs 
that are from mostly multi-state operators, all, all hemp and cannabis. But, but that's something we're kind of spending a lot of time on in the next year. That's great. And I'm glad that you brought that up because I get a lot of Instagram messages or Facebook messages from people that you know, unfortunately were laid off or they are looking to make a career change and they see the opportunity in cannabis. And you're going to be hard pressed to find some of those jobs on the typical job boards. And so having a specialized resource for that, I think is going to be helpful for both the business looking for assets, but then also that human capital really looking for, as you said, that dream job in Canada. Right. Exactly. And, and it's gonna, you know, as more and more states, it's just going to get a bigger and bigger wave of people. And especially as imagine, imagine the stigma going away, imagine banking laws changing. So suddenly more money can pour in private equity companies, all the big institutional investors can finally start putting money into cannabis. I mean, I think there's going to be the next five years is going to see, you know, a lot of changes. Well, and for those that are kind of paying attention to what is happening with the pandemic and COVID, uh, the updated relief bill, I saw that we have been fortunate enough to kind of slide in, you know, the Safe Banking Act in there as a proposal, which... I mean, you, I get, would probably explain it much better than I, Peter, but what are the impacts of something like that getting approved? Uh, well, I'll, I'll say first, the, the unfortunate thing is it does have to pass the Senate. And they have not so far been very keen on uh, addressing that issue or allowing even a vote on it or not being in support of it at all. So that that's a big step so we're, we're still pretty far away from that it's it's great that we're closer but it's still far um the biggest impacts of that to me i think would be two twofold one it allows well maybe threefold it allows um all companies in cannabis to much more freely and safely bank and not have to hold cash not have to try and use some sort of cryptocurrency or atms or some weird way to pay it just lets people pay like normal. And it also lets all the money be tracked, put into banks, be uh, all above board, all official. Like there's n nothing needs to be hidden or stored in safes or all the crazy things people do now. I mean, imagine the, the safety risk these people take carting away tens of thousands of dollars in their cars. Uh, and eventually, I mean, you know, criminals know this is happening. They watch and figure out patterns and um, so one, just giving people a safe environment that everyone, every other industry in the United States gets, you know, so it's almost like, why wouldn't cannabis get this? Uh, and the second thing is once, once, uh, it's, it's federally, uh, well, it depends. Uh, I, I think, I, I think we'll see the biggest influx of money when it's federally legal, because there are a lot of institutional investors and big funds who have in their kind of uh, bylaws of their investing and the mandate of what they're supposed to do. They can't invest in anything that's federally illegal, uh, illegal, even if it's legal in the state they're in. It's, it, it's, so it doesn't matter that it's legal in Colorado. If you're a massive, you know, $10 billion fund uh, run by, you know, University of Colorado or something, you, you probably can't even invest in cannabis, even though it's in your own state because you probably have agreed to the bylaws that you will not invest in anything federally illegal. So um, 
some money I think would start to come in, but I think the biggest influx will be after it's federally illegal, after it's federally legal. Sure, absolutely. You mentioned your relationship with flower hire. I was wondering, you know, as entrepreneurs, collaborations are, are really what builds our businesses. Yeah. And so I was wondering what other types of collaborations have you and LeafWire gotten into? Uh, yeah, so in addition to the recent one with uh, Flower Hire, we, uh, we just announced a couple of weeks ago a uh, partnership with MJ BizCon. So obviously the biggest event uh, company, you know, in, in cannabis for the world, really. Um, because they haven't been able to hold their events recently, their, their typical New Orleans event is postponed until July or August, and who knows what that means. But they usually rely on, I mean, obviously they, they produce a ton of news. They're probably one of the biggest news producers as well. They rely on those events to really connect with their, their people and their attendees. They do a lot of promotion beforehand, send out lots of emails. They, there's a lot of buzz and there's a lot of buzz afterwards. So without that event, they kind of don't have that connection. So they, they basically chose LeafWire to be their online platform. They're gonna be sending their members to LeafWire uh, and we're hosting some industry groups. So the first two are hemp news and international news. So they're going to be two, and then we're going to add on a couple others. The first, those are the first two. We'll probably add. I think it's cultivation and growing, uh, finance and investment, and uh, uh, regulation uh, and legal. I think is another one. But the idea is just like a LinkedIn group. They'll be posting all their top uh, news. Excuse me for each group. Uh, and then everyone else can join the groups and post their own news too, or just ask questions. And it'll be a place where if you want to ask really detailed questions about the hemp industry, that's the place to do it. Uh, if you want to ask really detailed questions about investing, you know, that'll be the place to do it. So the other great thing they're doing, in addition to promoting us, so they drive all their, a lot of their members to LeafWire, they're going to have a moderator who watches the groups. And if people ask questions, they're going to actually go and get the authors of the, of the the, the, the journalists of each article to come back and answer the questions. So that we'll have subject matter experts to actually come and answer questions and help people really dig in to get really deep. Uh, and so for us, that's kind of our first step in the relationship with them. You know, um, they don't have an online network. So, you know, we, we really want to position LeafWire as like their, their online network and, you know, even solidify that relationship and do more and more with them. That's fantastic. Such a powerful relationship because they are, you know, they have been leading news and industry knowledge. And it is, it is the largest. And one of the things, and, you know, it kind of all comes back is for me, when I go to an event, there's usually some sort of event management application. And I download the application and just like those of us that are kind of hardcore networkers, you start going through and you connect with the speakers and you connect with some of the other audience members. And then you go to the conference and you're so excited. And then the conference is over. And a week later, if you haven't converted those application, you know, those people that you met on the application or through the conference, you might have lost them. And so being able to kind of bring that back around and, and have an application that we can stay connected after the conference, I, it solves one of my biggest problems. Yeah, for sure. And we, we really want to make it so that people can eliminate the need for even those, those apps because 
nobody nobody likes them. I mean, nobody likes to download a different app every time you go to a conference. No, nobody likes to learn a new app. And then, like you said, I do the same thing. So I go to the different, you know, the Benzinga events or the NCIA events or the MJ Biz events, and everyone has different apps. So one, you have to kind of clog up your phone with apps. You have to learn how to use it once you get there. And 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 then afterwards, you literally, the, the day you leave the event, you never look at it again. So it kind of kills the idea. So we, we want to add in some more features to LeafWire so that we can be a bigger service to all those events. So where all those events can upload their uh, their agenda, their uh, they have, if they have a floor map of the you know all their exhibitors, a uh, place where people can kind of talk to other people, and there's a little box you can check that says yes, I'm going to NCIA uh, Seed to Sale in Boston. Um, you can check the box, and that way you can log on to LeafWire and say before you're going to go, just check. Hey, who's all going? See a big list of hundreds of people. You can go network ahead of time, set up meetings ahead of time. And when you're there, you can use, we're going to have more of like a real-time messaging type feature so that you can communicate with people while you're there. And then afterwards, I mean, LeafWire is already set up to be a place where you communicate with all your contacts. So when, once you've connected with them on LeafWire, they're all in your LeafWire network. You don't have to redo anything. You don't have to start over. So we that's another thing I'd say over the next year we're building towards is trying to become the de facto kind of event app is we already are the biggest online networking app. I mean, there's no reason that people shouldn't just use that for events they're going to. So it's, it's, it's kind of a no-brainer for us. We just have to, we have to build out some extra technology to make it easier for everyone and you know, make, it, make it foolproof that uh, you know, all these events will just want to use us for sure. That's amazing. I think of businesses scaling and you know for me for example with not plastic right we're going to introduce to the market with two SKUs, and then as we scale we'll add another skew and what i'm interested in is how does a tech business kind of scale so with for those of us that don't that aren't familiar with kind of that world or that part of industry do you mind just kind of breaking down for us you know what does scaling look like in a tech company yeah. So it's a combination of just day-to-day marketing, advertising. I mean, we've, we've been building our member base for the last year and a half pretty consistently, about 2,000 new members every month. Uh, and we've been, you know, we, we market on all of, we're very careful to market on the B2B type platform, not platforms like news sites, like Canvas Business Executive, Canvas Business Times, Marijuana Business Daily, Gondrepreneur, you know, all things like that. So we're careful not to go out and we don't advertise on high times. You know, we, we don't advertise on weed maps. Uh, so we've been one very, we've been very focused, I guess, on trying to build the right audience. Um, so, so there's that, just the everyday marketing. The second part, and this is part where we're trying to do more to figure out is a little more of the viral kind of network referral effect where once you start, one of the ways you scale a network like this is once you start to get big enough, people invite more people than you can get to join on your own. Uh, so to make, you, you, you basically, you have to build enough valuable functionality and get enough engagement that you're gonna go out and invite your friend. They're gonna join and they're gonna invite their friend. And that, that process will have gotten, you know, 10 or 20 people on, well, I would have marketed and I would have been able to get two people on. So eventually the way the scaling works is you move from 
having to pay for it and you know that being something that you constantly do to becoming a valuable enough you know kind of platform in the space that you you grow more exponentially and that's the that's why they call it a network effect right that's the that's the idea of a network effect is once you get to a certain tipping point uh the the network uh, effect the network starts to build itself like you don't have to keep building it so that's that's where we're getting to we're not we're not there yet but i, I we're hoping we get there uh linkedin reached a sort of tipping point when they got to about 80,000 people. And you could literally see LinkedIn grew like this, like, you know, kind of like this for like 11 or 12 months. Once they got to 80,000 people, it started to go like that. So there's like a hockey stick. So we're somewhere, we're in that beginning phase still. We're, we're growing consistently and, you know, it's working, but uh, we're looking forward to getting to that kind of network effect part. That's awesome. And before we before we close, Peter, I noticed a marketplace on <coughs> LeafWire. And so I personally jumped on, but for those that are listening and they're going to help become part of that audience that amplifies this network, uh, how would somebody utilize the marketplace and what should they be utilizing it for? Yeah, yeah, of course. So there's there's two sides to the marketplace. One is if you if you're a a, we'll call it a shopper, and you want to go look at the marketplace, say you're looking for a cannabis-friendly service. You can go look up, there's about 60 categories. You could look up legal. You could look up uh, payment processing. You could look up uh, PR. So it's a place where if you're trying to find a, you know, a cannabis-friendly service, you can go search for it by, by group or by area. Um, and if you're a company who has a product like that you're trying to promote to other people you can go on there, there is a monthly fee to, to post an ad so it's kind of like a yellow pages type ad where you put up a logo you put up a description you can add a bunch of pictures you can add a link to your website you can add like a special uh, leafwire promo like a call to action like a, a lot of our people put up things like you know 10 percent off your first purchase or free shipping or free consultation and just a call to action to get people involved and um you get the great thing about the marketplace is you get featured not just on the marketplace, but we pull those ads into the newsfeed. You probably notice every seven posts in the newsfeed is a marketplace ad. We have a little widget on the top right where we, we pull in three ads there. Um, and the people who, who are on there, uh, I think now they're getting somewhere between 5,000 to 7,000 views of their ad every single month. So, cause we're, I mean, we're pretty busy now. We're, we have almost 2000 people a day on the site. Um, so 2000 unique people. So it's, it's, it's getting up there. That's fantastic. Peter, I live in Maine, beautiful state, and we are expecting adult use to come online now any day. And for a number of reasons, it's been delayed. And one thing that I'm wondering, you know, so when I'm speaking to some of the canopreneurs in Maine, and you being in kind of that really battle-tested state of Colorado, I was wondering if you had any tips or pointers for those of us that are looking to kind of build this industry and anything that you've learned kind of through Colorado bringing the adult use to market? Yeah. Um, I think one of the things we've seen not work uh, in places like California and Canada is a combination of over-regulation and over-taxation. Uh, for 
different states and cities that all wanted to rake in so many taxes. In California, the black market is still, I think, three times the size of the legal market. And that's because the taxes are so high, uh, the, you know, the prices are you know, significantly cheaper on the black market. Um, so I think that's what was the biggest mistake that states make. And then the overregulation. Canada did a lot of overregulation in terms of not letting enough, enough stores open, not letting enough uh, people grow, uh, not allowing edibles. Uh, I'm not sure why you would make that choice, but uh, and you know, being super strict about everything from the packaging to exactly what people could sell, uh, and that slowed down. Even though Canada had a huge head start, it still do. I mean, I mean, Canada went legal more than a year ago, I think, year and a half. I don't know, something like that. It's been it's been a while. Uh, and they're just now starting to like fix some of those things that they screwed up in the beginning. So I think the overregulation over, over taxation are the two biggest things that have really like screwed up uh, uh, the the market for everyone. Well, in product availability was definitely something that was limited because when I lived in Columbus, I've friends and family in Toronto and other provinces in, in Canada. And I remember, you know, right when Michigan started to uh, go online with their adult use program, uh, we made a trip together and met with some of my friends from, from mm -hmm. Canada because they didn't have edibles available and it, it was something that they really wanted to experience. I'm sure there's some that make their own or what have you, but there were none that were commercially provided. And so, you know, they were right. crossing the border and coming to hang out with us. So, you know, that's, that's definitely something that we talk about a lot is just fair, reasonable and safe access. Very true. Yeah. We, we've, uh, we've been a supporter of uh, the ASA Americans for safe access. I don't know if you know that, but it's a it's a coalition of uh, uh, care providers, uh, uh, people from the science community, patients, uh, mostly focused on m medical use. Uh, but it's it's a group fighting to make sure people all over the U.S. who are supposed to can have fair and safe access. And so that that's that's a group uh, we've been supporting for a while. That's amazing. And thank you for your support, because that is one thing that when I was in Ohio, that was one of the things that I thought was really a challenge for patients. Yeah. Myself, myself included, that the, the price of their portions was so unreasonable. Mm. It did the same thing. It pushed individuals back into the black market. Right. Be, just because of access. It wasn't a desire by any means you know i would much rather have tested quality controlled cannabis right but i couldn't afford it peter i mean it was astronomical and so that's something for me that uh i really am proud of some of the organizations that are raising their hand and saying this isn't right you know right. this is especially when you know the medical markets depending on where you are, can kind of do the same thing, where really the medical market should be embracing and, and hugging the patient. And, you know, we can look at ways that we can tweak the adult use to kind of fit some of those state economical needs, if you will, I yeah. suppose. Yeah, yeah, I know. Agreed 100%. I think the, those organizations are, are vital. 
And Peter, I want to thank you so much. I was really excited, you know, being able to jump on LeafWire and really just the impact that it's made for me in terms of expanding my community has been invaluable. And I just uh, can't thank you enough for, for putting that and introducing me to it and introducing yourself to my audience. And for those listening at home, how do we find you and how do we stay connected? Yeah, so of course, we're going to encourage everyone to come join LeafWire leafwire.com. It's 100% free. You can create a profile uh, like you just heard described. Um, and if you want to co contact me, you can connect with me on LeafWire and or you can email me at peter at leafwire.com. So please do love to, love to chat with anyone who's interested. You know, personally, I'm excited to be a member of LeafWire and feel some of the sort of anxiety calm down and the nerves calm down if they are there about, you know, professional cannabis and networking. So I'm thankful for Peter for creating a platform and bringing it to our attention. I learned so much speaking to Peter about this platform in particular, but also about networking. And what I have loved about LeafWire thus far is the ability to connect with individuals from all over the world. And actually, Matt, we have some very interesting guests joining us just from LeafWire Networking. Coming up on the show, we're going to have guests from Europe, from Africa, from Australia. And it's all because there was a professional place to connect and talk about each other's businesses. And please connect with Rye and I and with Weed Buds on the LeafWire platform. I love to see your smiling faces and maybe we can share a story or two. Absolutely. And for those of you tuning in right now, we definitely invite you to check out LeafWire. Connect with us. And as always, it warms our hearts when you heart share and retweet our episodes. Thank you very much for listening especially on a day like today we would love for you to reach out with some words and leave a comment or leave a review on one of our posts or maybe send us a guest we could interview so again thank you very much for listening and until next time puff puff peace, peace.